If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. For as little as $1 per month, you'll gain exclusive access to the Loud Pipes after show, The Downshift, as well as other content and sneak peeks available only to our supporters. Better yet, come ride with us. Step up to $5 a month and receive an invitation to the monthly video hangout and the Riders of Loud Pipes private social network. Hang out in the clubhouse with other riders, chat with us on show topics, and so much more. You want free swag? Select the barbershop level, and we'll send you a free t-shirt and an annual swag bag. That's right, every year around the Barber Vintage Weekend, we'll refresh your swag with the items of the season. Loudpipes.net slash donate. It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from RDub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Bogan. Loud Pipes, episode 65. Well, this is going to be part one of our ATV Demo Day conversation. And we brought in a ringer tonight for the show. We've got an ADV rider who takes his bike on all different types of terrain, as you might expect with that type of motorcycle. And for everyone here in the United States, we'd like to wish everyone a safe and happy Thanksgiving and be safe out there for your Black Friday shopping. All right, Mr. Hogan, are you ready for Black Friday? Uh, no, I don't want any part of it. Oh, it's good fun, man. Come on. It's like a sport. Kidding me? No way, man. <laughs> well, you have a beverage, my man? I do, my man. I'm drinking a La Paluna. Oh, dear. We need a translator? Yeah, yeah. La Paluna. It's death or bald head. So on the bottle, it's a woman <laughs> with a bald head, and she has a skull, skull face. So... <laughs> what does it taste like? <laughs> uh, it tastes like an IPA, believe it or not. It's pretty good. All right. 6%, so I can't complain. All right. Let's bring in our technical director, third co-host of this fabulous trio, Mr. Maracol. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm hanging in there tonight. And beverage? Oh, I'm taking a one from Rico. I'm having some uh, Roman Coke. Oh, liqueur tonight. That yeah, boy. All right. Well, partly in honor of our guest, but also they do have a brewery here in the East Coast. I'm rolling with Sierra Nevada Celebration, the Fresh Hop IPA, which is wonderful. Well, all right then, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> it's a celebration. All right. You're going to have to send me some links or something because I'm just not getting the reference. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. All right. I just don't have time to watch movies and TV. <laughs> all right. We've got a, an interesting topic to get to, and we've got our guests waiting on the line, so let's get rolling. In the last episode, we introduced that we also have a contest going on, so check out the details for for what the requirements are. Essentially, you need to share one of our Facebook posts on another Facebook site, uh, be it another motorcycle podcast or sort of anything motorcycle-related is what we're looking for, but uh, even if you share it on your own timeline, that'll show up, and we'll put your entry in the bucket. We'll take up to five of those, and then we'll we'll draw one randomly for our winner. And we remember, we've got that nice uh, cell phone case that we showed off, and that's loudpipes.net slash 64. Scroll to the bottom. You can see pictures of the item. And also, we added something after the show, so I want to mention this now. If you're not on Facebook, um, just share our post anywhere, basically anywhere on the internet or social media, and then just email us some some evidence, you know, screen print, picture, something like that. So. So real simple, just send it in if you're not using Facebook. All right, new topics, gentlemen. Ready? Yes, let's go. Ah, a lovely sound that is pleasing to the ear, but not the kind of bikes we were riding this weekend. So Motorcycles of Charlotte had a really nice adventure demo day. And this is their second year doing it, and I missed it last year and, and sort of pinned it on the calendar and, and set it as a not-to-miss event. Um, the adventure segment is, is quite hot in the market. Everyone has sort of a, you know, a high-end piece. There's a lot of middle-of-the-road middle, middle of the road ones coming out now, and there's even some, some lower ones like your 300cc adventure bikes now coming to market. So it's, 
it's covering the gamut in terms of the size of the bikes and, and the makers that are offering them. Before I get to the bikes, let's go ahead and, and bring in our guest. Mr. Brian Honeycutt was nice enough to join us, and he is an adventure rider. He is riding a, a GS, and I forget which year. We'll have him introduce that here in a second. So, uh, Brian, welcome to Loud Pipes. Hey, thanks, Rich. No worries. Now, I know you're on a GS. What year is it? Yeah, it's a 2013. It's the first year for the uh, liquid cooled boxes. Okay. It is a 1200, though, right? It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, we'll get into it in a minute. It's not a lot different. I've I've ridden the 1150 version, and which was quite torquey, and I had the same experience recently with uh, the GS Adventure. So I'll give a quick rundown of the bikes real quick, and then we're going to get a little background from Brian here. Four different bikes I got a chance to ride. There was a Triumph Tiger 800 uh, XCA model, and this is sort of a range-topping version for Triumph, especially in the 800. This is about 15 grand. And then the second one, probably the gold standard, was the BMW R1200 GS Adventure. And it was in a beautiful racing red matte finish paint. And Rico, you would have loved this one. Oh, I'm sure. A little more expensive, about 18600 or so is where it starts, and options aplenty from there. And then I rounded out the day on two, two bikes that I would really call sport tours. The Multistrada 1200S from Ducati, which I've ridden before, uh, which is probably pushing more like $20,000. And then the BMW S1000XR in racing red, which Rico was 160 horsepower of blazing glory. <laughs> really oh man you gotta tell me more about this not really an adventure bike but it was nice to finish the day there all right so let's let's get back to the adventure topic and like i said i'm i'm calling brian the ringer because not only does he have a gs which like i said a lot of people consider that the benchmark of the segment if you will but he rides his bike everywhere including the track so brian give us a little background on your riding sort of where you've been and a little bit about your, your track riding as well. Okay, so I picked up the BMW about a year and a half ago. I had a BFR 800 and a uh, Suzuki RMZ 450 before that, so I liquidated those two bikes and just got one bike to do everything. Nice. So when I picked up the bike, I did a lot of uh, long-distance touring, did a couple iron butt rides, did some off-road stuff up in uh, Mendocino National Forest, up in Tahoe National Forest, down to Death Valley and did all the uh, passes out there. And then I started doing a little bit of track riding, <laughs> a little bit of background. I used, to, I used to road race back in 2000, 2001 with Weir and CCS back in the Midwest. So I started doing some track days and then it turned in the guy that was doing the track days. He also has a coach, coaching school, super bike coach. Okay. Started working with him. So now I'm, now I'm an assistant instructor with him as well. Very nice. Now, Rico, you, you see my second motivation for having Brian on? <laughs> I see it so well now. <laughs> you see where I'm going? <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, before we get to the bikes, what's your thought with having this kind of motorcycle that does everything? So you've done, you know, probably some twisty roads. Like you said, you did Death Valley and some off-roading. I mean, just, just talk a little bit about that feeling and being able to have a bike that goes everywhere, essentially. Yeah, you know, the bike, it, it performs really well to up uh, long-distance touring. You know, it's got cruise control, heat, heat and everything on it, so uh, that's good. It's good. Uh, it handles the twisties really well. You know, even on a small uh, go-kart track is what we use for an instructor class. Uh, it handles good there. And off-road, it handles surprisingly well. You know that the box boxer motor gives it a, a low uh, weight distribution, mm -hmm. low center of gravity. It handles really good. And another thing is, when you do drop the bike, and if you do ride off-road, you will drop your bike, uh, the bike only goes over so far, so you can pick it up. It's not, I mean, I, I really love the, the layout of the BMW. Uh, a smaller bike would probably be better if I wasn't doing two up. Right. But uh, the nice thing about those bikes is they, they do do everything you really need them to do. Yeah, you're, you're spot on with the, the low center of gravity. The that part of the ride was immediately evident. So as soon as I got on the bike, you know, it's very light, you know, in the hand, if you will, very balanced. And it, it doesn't feel nearly as big as it looks. I mean, when you look at this thing, you're thinking, holy cow, this is a tank. And then you start going on the road and you're like, 
no, it just lightens up and it becomes almost like a small bike, really, is what it felt like to me. Right. I, I don't know if you did notice with the uh, telelever front suspension, you don't have the uh, suspension dive as if you would have on a conventional fork bike. Yep. That's what's kind of nice about the BMW. Yeah, its its braking was, was very well planted. So, I mean, probably due to that suspension, but some of the best I've had, it's just right. very flat, which was cool. Right. Um, Power-wise, love the torque on this thing. I think you mentioned that to me in, you know, in a couple of our chats offline, but the torque of this thing is just tremendous everywhere. Uh, it's, you know, it's not a, a rip snorting Ducati Multistrada in the horsepower department, but it's, it's plenty right. quick for, for what it has. Right. That's what I like about the bike as well. You know, the Ducati Enduro, 160 horsepower, it's really fun, but uh, you get it down to around two or 3,000 RPMs and, you know, it's got no torque. Nothing. It, whereas the BMW, you know, you're, you're dealing with 100 foot pounds of torque in the 3,000, 3,000 RPM area. So it's really nice to lug going through mountain passes. You don't have to do a lot of downshift. And so that's what's nice about the bike. Yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't have the Enduro Multistrada for this ride. They, it was a 1200S, which I'd ridden before, but right. Rico has been on the Enduro model, pretty much the same power plant, just a couple different engine modes. But yeah, that was under, even under 4,000, it was just dead. I mean, it had nothing right. to me. So that was interesting. Now, the other thing, I have to go back to the Tiger. And John was there, so John John was lucky enough to lucky enough or unlucky enough, I guess, because he had to spend all day there. But um I'm happy he came down and, and joined me for the day. So he kinda got the experience raw as we came off the bike. So do you remember when I came off the GS, was I surprised, impressed? I think I was a little mixed. Yeah, I think you're a little mixed. I think when you came off the Triumph, you know, the first or the Triumph Tiger that was the one that you were like, you got that, and that surprised you most. It did. I didn't get a chance to ride the big 1200, which I wanted to for for back-to-back sake. So I ended up on the 800 triple, which surprisingly felt a lot like my other favorite, the FJ09. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you came off that one. I think that one surprised you. And then I think when you got off the GS, I think you were like, if I remember correctly, I think your comment was, I would take the Tiger over the GS. Yeah, for me personally, but I, I, I totally see where they've got it all ironed out with the GS. The balance is is lovely. The torque is amazing. It handles well for what looks like a big bike, but it's only keep me straight, John. It's under five hundred pounds. It's not a heavy motorcycle. I don't believe you can keep me straight on that one. But uh, let me let me bounce back to Brian for a second. So how how many other ADV type bikes did you ride before the GS, or did you just go right for this one? You know, I, I rode the older GS Adventure, and then I rode the new one, and, you know, I was sold with the new one, the new liquid-cooled boxer. But after that, I rode pretty much all of them, you know, even some of the, uh, like, the uh, uh, the V-Strom Thousands, the new ones with the 17-inch front wheel. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I, I still like the BMW. It feels like home. I like the power plant. I like I like the layout of the controls. I like the uh, the, the interactive GPS and everything with the left thumb control. So I keep going back to that. I like that bike. The bike fits me well. Yeah, ergonomics were pretty nice on this bike. I just, I would need a whole nother day to figure out all the settings. I mean, the the menu system was just mind-numbing. How much was in there? How much right. power, John? Or how uh, much weight? I mean, weight? Weight dry is uh, 45. Fully uh, field road ready is 573. Ooh, okay, a little more than I thought. But it's under 500 without fuel. But is that with the 7-gallon tank? Probably. Yes, with a 7.9. Okay. Yeah, and, and my bike's the, uh, the not the Adventure. I rode the Adventure. My buddy's got one. But with that big uh, big tank, that's that's the advantage of the Adventure. And you got spoked wheels. Uh, I don't really need that. When I go do some iron butt stuff, I throw a 6-gallon fuel cell on the back of it. So I got 11, 11 gallons at that point. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So the the difference between the twelve hundred GS and the Adventure model is it mainly the on road manners? Because I rode the Tiger first, and I I loved it. I mean, I the, the confidence that I got from that bike in terms of being able to hustle through the corners because we only rode on the pavement. We didn't get them off the pavement at all, at least not on not on purpose. But you know, I, I found it very confidence inspiring in the corners 
you know, the engine was fantastic and it just, it was a nice package. It was more like a sport touring bike, even though this is the, you know, the XCA, which is more, you know, supposed to be more for off-road. So it, you know, is that what the regular 1200 is like on the GF side? Uh, you know, the bikes, there's no difference. The fuel tank's the only difference per se. I mean, it largely depends what tires are on the, on the motorcycle. You know, if I got my off-road wheels on and I'm running TKC 80s, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible through the corners. But uh, if I got my Dunlop tires that I use on the track, yeah, it runs it does perfect <laughs> perfect on the road, you know. So it, it really has to do with the tire. Yeah, I, I couldn't get the same confidence out of the GS for some reason. It you know, it had full road tires on it. They I don't even think they were partially off road from what from they look like, at least in the tread pattern. But I just I could so they were the Mich- Mich- they were the uh Torrents. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it was definitely a Michelin tire. Yep. Right, right, right. So not bad. It just didn't, you know, it just didn't feel as planted as the Tiger. And of course, that's a little lighter bike too. So that could be part of it. Right. But they were all better than the Multistrada, which I still don't like. I gotta say that now. Right. Yeah, I like the Enduro better than the Raven Multistrada myself. Expand on the uh, the dislike on the Ducati. <laughs> What really drove it home this time around, Rich? Well, it it was kind of the same thing. The seat, the seat is my biggest problem. The seat runs downhill, and it keeps jamming you into the tank. And there's no real comfortable way to try to sit back on the seat. So I end up with cramped legs. Oh, you know, and my boys mashed up against the tank, which is not the way I want to ride. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the power plant is not really what I want because there's not the torque's not there down low. You got to rev the beans out of it to get the power it sounds fantastic but you know you've just got to wind it up to get anything out of it and then in this this test ride the wind really picked up in the afternoon and the front end to me was a very nervous front end especially on the interstate so we're around 70 miles an hour or so boy it it was the most unnerving front end feeling i've ever had on a motorcycle in, in quite a long time it just didn't feel planted i didn't really felt like i had a good handle on the bike you know, every time the wind hit it, I just, almost like I wasn't ready for it. Just very unnerving in the wind. So that, and that was mainly it. And then the price. I mean, this, this was the S model. It's going to be in the $20,000 range. That's, that's a non-starter for me. So maybe. Yeah, especially if you're feeling that way. I'm sure other people may experience that same thing. And I think I, I got a little bit of that too when I was hitting it on the twisties. Just wasn't really, like you said, confident, inspiring at all for me. And like you said, you know, you hit a wall with the motor and the gearing set up, you know, all, all around the bike wasn't for me. Yeah, it, the ergonomics, for me, the, the ergonomics are just all wrong. The way I sit in the seat, you know, I'm not comfortable in the seat. You know, my legs feel wrong. I just, I just don't feel right in the seat. So I'll give the Enduro a shake. And then if I don't like that, I'll be done with the Multistrada. <laughs> we can just scratch it. <laughs> yeah. As far as I'm concerned, we can just cross that one off the list and never be seen again. <laughs> yeah. Best sounding bike of the four though. It did have the, the Termignoni slip-ons, which sounded pretty nice. So they get a point for sound, which counts for a lot in my book. That's one point. Yeah, that's only one. <laughs> but they're, yeah. they're in a pretty deep hole to start with. So, and I guess you could just sit in the driveway and just rev it. <laughs> right, so put it back when you're done. I'll just I'll make an audio clip, and then when I when I buy the tiger, I can just play that in my helmet as I'm riding. Yeah, cool. So I think I don't know. I think for my money, the 1200 is really nice. It's probably a little more bike than I want in several regards. You know the. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy this kind of bike, I will be having some off road adventures. So I don't know if I want a bike. I don't know if I want that much engine. But I don't know, Brian. You said it's really balanced. How did it do? You know, in the in the big off road trips, you did. Yeah, power is power is never a problem. It's always a plus. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you, there's there's several settings on that thing. You can set it for uh, enduro pro if you want to go crazy. There's also you know you can put it in rain mode which is Enduro is kind of like rain mode. It's really got the throttle cut back and the traction control is really active. Okay. It's, it's all, it's all what your comfort is. You know, I, I, I ran it quite a bit with the, uh, ABS off and there's a video up online of me crashing, uh, brakes lighting behind a guy and trying to 
go up the inside and I put a hole in the valve cover. So the ABS printed it off is probably not the best idea. I hear a lot of ADVs guys talking about you need to turn the ABS off, but I found it's probably best, especially if you're not a pro at pro level to keep it on. So Right. But yeah, it's I, I don't have a problem with riding that bike off road. I mean I go everywhere, guys on KLR six fifties go, guys on uh you That's know KTM four fifties. So yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, my first experience with it when I first got my I had a KLR six fifty that I've, I've since sold. Right. Um my first experience with it was my buddy Robert, his brother joined us and he had he had just received his GS, the eleven fifty at the time. And we were doing these power power line runs back in Massachusetts and he decided he's gonna follow us and we're just looking at each other like uh, well, first of all, you're not going to make it. And then, you know, two, that bike is too darn nice to be taking it off road. But he went everywhere we, we did that day, bashed it over rocks and everything. And I was like, wow, you know, that's a cool right. bike and he can ride. <laughs> that's what I was saying. Yeah. And with the new BMW with the ESA, we put it in two rider mode. It raises the rear suspension a couple of inches. So it gives you more ground clearance. I also run it in two rider mode on the track so I can have with that 19-inch front wheel, it's a little bit hard to get it to turn in. So if you bring the back end up, it changes your geometry a little bit. It makes it easier to turn in. So it's kind of nice to have an ESA where you can adjust the suspension height and the rebound and compression dampening on the fly. Very nice. You know, for the money, this doesn't sound like a bad package. For everything you're getting, this is still under 20000 for, you know, essentially the, the gold standard in the segment. It doesn't sound right. too bad to me. On the GS, I'm just kind of squirreling it around here as I think of something to, to kind of point to. The the crash bars or the was the hand guards. Now were those plastic or was it metal? Because you know, I, you know, with all the frame sliders and everything around this bike, you know, if you were to drop it, was this something you had to replace after you have to pick it up? You know, so I'm just trying to get a feel for the plastic work around this bike. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to answer that? Yeah, you can follow it up. I was just going to say the the adventure one. The parts are all metal. I don't know about the grips, but I don't think the bike turn tips over that far. But I'm sure Brian can elaborate. Yeah, the, the hand guards are plastic, Rico, and uh, I've I've crashed, I've broke them, so I've got bark busters on mine now. But that's the only real problem. The uh, F800s. And the 700s all have aluminum-style bark busters, but the uh, big GS1200 are plastic. That's funny. See, you know, if you're going to spend this kind of money on that, you know, why skimp on the handguards there? You know, the the rest of the bike seems like it's in a cage, but, you know, the most important part, if you were to dump it, is plastic. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that same finish. The The finish of the bars that were on this bike, Brian, I don't know if you've seen the the newest ones, but... The finish that's on these is just amazing looking. I would I would love to have that for a set of hand grips too. Right, right. You know, I'd feel bad, I guess, if I tipped it over in the woods and scratched and dented it, but that's what it's for. Yeah, you should see my bike. It looks terrible. Yeah, I'll have to get us a couple of couple of pictures. We'll put it in the the show notes there. Yeah, there's a video up on YouTube. They put a hole in the valve cover. So, you know, it, even even with crash guards. There's a big piece of granite that was sticking up, so it put a hole in the valve cover. So, I mean, you could put some sort of a stainless steel guard, aluminum guard around the valve cover themselves. They sell them. I've seen people do all different types of things, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a problem. But that's why you carry epoxy with you. Yeah, yeah, a nice two part epoxy will fix a lot of things. Right. On this particular one, it looks like it has some kind of metal guard around that that casing so i wonder how well that'll hold up yeah well it's it goes around it but it's but you can see some of the cylinder head is still exposed or the the valve cover i should say is still a little exposed so if you're going to get like brian said you know something a sharp pointed rock or something can still get in there and knock a hole in it unless you put a whole plate over it you know what i mean right so even on the track with how does it handle compared to a sport bike to me, it handles more like a super motorbike as far as the ergonomics. And when I race a super motorbike, I race hanging off. It's the lower center of gravity is an advantage, but the 
So it's more like a super motorbike to me. But as far as handling, as far as tracking, it's the same. Hmm. I don't know. I just I'm I'm still kind of in awe because I I've seen some of your your Facebook pictures just like you said through the the canyons and off road and then a, a page or two down here you are dragging a knee on the track with it. I'm just like what. <laughs> He's really doing it. I mean, you're riding this bike, I guess, the way you should, right? It's on-road, off-road, at track, like anywhere there's place to ride, he's there with it. That's awesome. As we kind of talk through this, I'm going back to when I was riding the motors in the different bar positions. Um, So the more upright position with the adjustable bars and everything, I didn't feel as comfortable riding it at higher speeds. I guess, like like I was saying, you get and get used to it you get acclimated to it so what's the position on this gs i mean is it more down where you're sitting on the bars or is it more upright yeah so actually my gs has bar risers on them so it's probably an extra three and a half inches higher and maybe back a little bit for comfort so i mean i actually it would probably be better i could probably hang off farther had i lowered the bars but you know it's my daily driver i ride it every day to work and so I keep it the way it is, but yeah, you could, if you lowered the bars, hang off a little bit farther off the bike, if that's really what you're wanting to do. That's another interesting topic. So how many miles do you have on it and what kind of kind of service have you had to do on the GS? Yeah. So I've got 33,000 on it. I picked it up a year and a half ago and it had 3,000. I think the guy hardly wrote it. Nice. So, so I ride it a lot. I do my own service. Okay. I change the change the oil and the final drive about every three thousand miles or so, you know, thereabouts. Whenever I think about it, so change change those. You know, I got a can and air filter in it, clean the oil and that thing. That's about it. I haven't done anything. I've changed. I have changed the spark plugs. Uh, I changed that valve code. I put a hole in it, so I checked the uh, valve te- uh, tolerances, and they were all in spec. Right. So I didn't even check the other side. I mean. Again, I, they're they're not they're not tight. They're a little loose. So loose valves are better than tight valves, obviously. And yeah, they don't sound that loose. So maybe at the end of the year, I might uh, you know run the valves and put some shims in it. And that new motor has got the shim and buckets. So you have to pull the camshafts off to put the shims under the buckets. Got it. And what's the recommended interval there? Do they do they give a guidance? I, I know they do, but it's probably in the twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. I don't yeah. know. Okay. And Rico, another advantage here is the the big GS is shaft driven, so no chain, no belt, no fuss. I mean, all the other ones I I rode were all uh, chain driven except for this one. Right? Yeah, I was I was peeping that out. That's that's a nice feature. So, Brian, did you take off that ugly rear tire guard that's on the back of this thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I take it off. It's just a pain in the butt change of the wheel. You know, I mean, the wheel comes off the side. It's a single sided swing on, but it still gets in the way. And I've pretty much destroyed it, throwing you know pieces of granite throughout out here. There's a lot of granite, so spinning up the rear tire, it throws a lot of rocks and stuff. So I pretty much destroyed it. But nice. The off road riding that you, that you've done, do you, if you have some links for that, that would be good information to share if people are out that way and and they want to check it out. Or make a big big road trip. The only real organized ride I've did is uh, the Oakland Motorcycle Club does ride every year through the uh, Mendocino National Forest. They call it the Sheet Iron 300. Mm-hmm. Starts in Stony Ford, goes to Fort Bragg. It's about 150 miles each way. And you do one, one leg one day and one leg the next day. Nice. And that's all off-road? Uh, 80% of it. So... There's a video up up on YouTube, my name and the Sheet Iron 300, and there was another guy on a GSA that I was with, and he sliced the sliced a big slice through his tire within the first 30 miles. So oh. he got a bunch of plugs in it and zip ties to hold the plugs in, and <laughs> nursed it to about halfway. Then we got a tire for him, so went down to the tire shop and got it changed. Awesome. Yeah, we'll find that video. We'll get the link. John, you had something there, buddy. No, the only thing I saw was I found an article real quick, real quick, that says the valve adjustment is every BMW recommends at 6,000 miles. For the first one, but is that the interval? That's not the interval. They say as necessary every 6,000 miles. I'm doing some more research on that. Okay. As necessary. That's always good guidance. <laughs> right. I, I know the old motors had a, 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 a rocker arms, 
So the uh, valve adjustment interval was a lot tighter than what this new one is. I, it would probably be standard as any uh, Japanese motor shim and bucket. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, let's see. Where do we want to go with the next one? Um, let's let's talk a little bit before we get to the S one thousand, which is a a completely different animal. Um, I don't know if if Rico or John have an opinion on this, but what do you guys think of the kind of the mid sized adventure bikes that they're getting now? So more, I guess the Tiger eight hundred would kind of be in that class, or the the GS seven hundred and eight hundred. But there's other makes getting into that game. What do you guys think of a adventure bike of that size? You know, more in that seven eight hundred CC range. Rico, do you care? I don't know, dude. Uh, I think what it's going to come down to is how you're going to ride it. Are you going to be on the highway at high speeds, anything over 80? You know, I wonder if the smaller bikes um, are going to be able to keep up with other, some of the other bigger bikes. So that's my only concern is just not having enough uh, horsepower to keep up with other anybody else that you may be riding with. Well, my initial thought was that the smaller bike, let's say the Tiger 800, for example, might give you a little more maneuverability off-road. You don't have that fire-breathing power plant. And if if your slant is more towards off-road, then maybe you're in that 800 range versus the 1200. I, I don't know. I, I mean, my only experience is riding a 650, so, you know, off-road. Right. If you're going to be off-roading, doing the power line rides and stuff like that, having a bigger motor, you, you're really not going to need it because... Anything other than this 800 will just be too much. You'll be sliding out and everything. So I can see where the smaller bike can be appealing. Uh, again, it comes down to what you're going to be doing with it. If you're going to be mm-hmm. doing a lot of off-roading, you're going to have your knobbies on it, then, uh, yeah, that's definitely the way to go. But if you're on the track with it or you're doing a lot of highway riding, I don't know if that's going to be enough horsepower. I don't know. I'll have to uh, bounce that off of Brian and see what his thoughts are. Yeah, I think the lo- the longer the ride, probably the bigger the bike is going to be my guess. Yeah, and, and real quick, go back. It is it's 12K at the uh, at 2014 models, newer on the 1200 GS. For the valve interval? Okay. So what, what do you think on that, Brian? If you were more focused off-road than you were on-road, would you be leaning towards like the 800 versus uh, the larger GS? Yeah, I would get the 800, but if I was getting the 800, I'd probably look more towards the African Twin. Yeah, that looks like a nice one, a real nice piece. But, you know, as far as horsepower, you know, if you got over 100 horsepower, as far as touring, I think you're good. Unless you're carrying passengers. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't know what the horsepower is on the Triumph Tiger, but I think on the FJ09, and I realize that's sport adventure, that's not, or I'm sorry, that's sport touring, not adventure, but that power plant to me was was sufficient and you know and even fun but it wasn't you know it wasn't a fire breather so to speak right and i think the triumphs right at 90 you can check me on that john but i think it's right at 90 horsepower that's sufficient and the uh the, the uh africa twins right at 86 or 90 it's right in that area very nice have you ridden the africa twin yet you know i haven't i know a lot of guys that have rode it and it's more of a more, more designed for the off-road, more like the uh, KTM uh, R models with the 21-inch front wheel. The 21-inch front wheel is the big thing for off-road. Yeah. Yeah, that the KLR setup was like that, 21 and 16 in the rear. 16 or 17 in the rear, I forget. It's uh, 94. So, you're close, Brian. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and also, Rick, you know, uh, a KLR... 650 is a single so even a cbr 500x has more power than that so you know comparing singles to multis is quite a quite a difference i know my old girl was kind of slow but it was fun (laughs) or maybe not slow but it was just a completely different animal you're right if ducati had a bigger front tire on the front you think it'd be a better ride rich I mean, it would certainly help in the off-road department. I don't know what that would do on the on the road. Yeah, so as we sit here and we talk about horsepower and off-roading, would this bike be more suited if it had a bigger front tire on it and, um, you know, was more off-road capable other than just riding it up, up, upright on the highways? 
Yeah, I'm not sure. But I'll, I'll get that one out again. I'll I'll get the Multistrada Enduro out for a test ride just to get that final No, you don't comparison. need to. No, don't do that to yourself. I mean, <laughs> I don't have you've to. done it twice. I've done it. You've done it. There's no need to do it again to each other. You know, don't just stop. Let it go. I know it's a Ducati and, you know, you pay top dollar for it. But, you know, no, just just leave it there. Let it die and, and move on. <laughs> go ahead, John. <laughs> Well, we do have another input on that. They did. They did like the Monte Strada. Who did? One of the people that were Micah. Oh yeah. So Micah rides it after me, Rico, and he loves it. Well, I don't know if he loves it, but he said he enjoyed it. So really, that's why I'm calling this ADV Demo Day Part One because we may have a Part Two and and bring Micah in because he rode a couple other bikes that I didn't. Ah, I see. So we shared a bike, and then he he rode some different ones. Okay. So just a thought, but I don't know. Final thoughts on ADV bikes? What do you guys think? Take it, leave it. Jury's still out. I kind of like the ADV bike. If I had to pick a bike, I, I kind of lean towards the ADV bike. I wouldn't say I want a big one. So, I mean, I sat on the 700 while we were there and that kind of looked, you know. Yeah. So. Okay. Rico? Uh, you know what? Being here... I might have to get one anyway, so I might need to start looking at uh, a more off-road capable bike yep. uh, to utilize um, in the dirt. So, you know, I got to I gotta go out myself and start really pounding these guys to really get a feel for which bike is going to fit me. The bike I can take off-road and hit the twisties with is going to be, and climb, and climb hills with, is going to be key for me. So I'll probably end end up getting a 600 or 700 uh, for myself. Gotcha. All right. Well, we know Brian likes them, so that's an easy one. <laughs> He's all in. Right. So I might have to look at a BMW. <laughs> you know, the CSC RX3, not bad at all. I've got one. They're really good. They're not bad at all. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I would be all in on that bike. I've got, you know, 5,000 miles on it. You know, I've got it with a bigger, with a smaller rear sprocket, so 8,000 RPMs, 80 miles per hour, and we're going to cruise all day at 8,000 RPMs. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. That's good information right there, because 80 miles an hour is perfect here. That was my other surprise, Rico. I forgot to tell you that he had one of those, too. <laughs> you know, and, and for $4,000, there's a two-year warranty, you know, three parts. Uh, you can't beat it. Those guys are really cool to work with, too. Mizzou's is not that awesome. far from Cool. All right. I'll definitely give that a shout then. Ah, there you go. That might be your bike, Hogan. Yeah, that's a good endorsement. So by the time you sell the Roadmaster, you can probably buy six or eight of them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Pump your brakes there, sunshine. Easy. She ain't going nowhere. <laughs> He's got to have something when he comes back to state side to the ride. I'll have old blue. I mean, it might have, you know, slicks on it, but it'll be here. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But no, there's... You there's, jump on that thing about it, too. Yeah, there is no comparison. You know, even coming back to it from being away from it for three months and getting back on it and just, you know, pulling out, it's just, it's, this is the bike for me, literally. I'm going to grow old with that bike. All right. Sounds good. You guys want to transition to something a little bit faster? Okay. Oh, all right. Okay, a lot faster. <laughs> well, maybe not a lot faster, but I'm trying to think. The The 1200GS is around, John, to keep me straight, it's around 120-some horsepower, and I know it's over 90 foot-pounds of torque. For which one you want? The GS, 1200 Adventure. So while you're looking that up. So the last one I rode... I don't want to say save the best for last, but you know I've droned on and on about the FJ09. I just really enjoyed that test ride when I went out, and can't really stop thinking about it. You know, to be honest, is every time I test ride a bike, I immediately start thinking, okay, is it better than the FJ <laughs> or not? <laughs> and the Tiger, that was the nice surprise. Is I was like, wow, this is a an ADV class bike, but its road manners are just superb. The R1200 GS Adventure is 125 horsepower and 92 foot-pounds of torque. Very nice. Very nice. On the Tiger, so I'm noticing, I'm just kind of looking at, going back to it, noticing the nice size front wheel, 
the smaller wheel on the back. It seems, it looks like, you know, the uh, KTM a little bit in how in its stance. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But I, I I'm just kind of going back and looking at it and just kind of revisiting some of the specs the motor and everything and, and see why you enjoyed it so much. So well, go it, on what's your, your thought. <laughs> yeah. And this XCA tops the range. So it's over $15,000, but in that 800 triple, they start around 11.5. So that's very comparable to the FJ in terms of price. You know, it, it's a thousand more, but you know, it's a slightly different, uh, slightly different style of bike as well. Uh, which front wheel did that bike have on this? Is that the 19? Yeah, it had the larger one. Yeah, the spoke wheels. The 19 and not the 21. Um, I'd have to look at it. It's larger than the rear. You can definitely tell that. But right. I don't. I don't remember if it was. I mean, look, it's the XCA. Yeah. So the front wheels are actually 36 spoke, 21 inch. Oh, it was a 21? Okay. The rear is 17. So that, yeah, that handles a lot more like an off-road bike, but its on-road manners were so well-behaved. It was such a surprise. And it had practically road tires on it anyway. There was right. not a lot of grooves in it. <laughs> um, let's see, what else was I going to say? Have you have you ridden this one? Brian, have you ridden the Tigers at all? Either the 800 or the 1200? I have. I rode the uh, 800 and the 1200. Both those had the 19-inch front wheel. They, they were they were good. I like the triples, but uh, I don't know. The BMW's kind of home to me. Yeah. The BMW, to me, seemed more sorted out. I don't know if that's the right term, but, you know, the balance was so much better. The torque was is just phenomenal. I mean, and that's what you want, at least for me. If I'm going to be getting off-road, like, I want that good torquey motor. You know, horsepower is nice, but, you know, when the going gets rough, I want me some torque. And I want it now. I don't want to have to wait for it. <laughs> yeah, and with that 90 foot pounds, I might go through second gear, really GS all day long. So kind of nice. Yeah, there's everything. Yep. All right. So continuing my thought, and I forgot where I was going, but the last one I rode was they had they had it in the adventure class, or I'm sorry, BMW puts this in the adventure class, but this is more adventure touring or sport touring, I guess I would I would call it. And that is the S1000XR. And Rico, I'm sure, loves the S1000R and double R as, you know, super sport and sport bikes. So imagine the, you know, the 200 horsepower engine that's in the double R detuned slightly to 160 and throw it in an upright riding position bike. And that's what you've got in the XR. So you got you've got all that power. You've got the you know the good brakes, good suspension, all the electronics you can imagine. You know, automated shifting up and down, but just in a in a comfortable riding position. You know, sitting upright, bars fall at reach. You know, there's you're not leaning forward at all on this thing. Right. Well, yeah, it, it's sharp, and I like uh, the I like the ergonomics of this bike. And you're right, as you see here and spin this bike around, it is, you know, they did a good job with uh, the aerodynamics of it, uh, the peg position, the, the bar positions and everything. It just looks like a capable bike, especially on-road or on the track. And with that 1000 motor, I bet you it, it's a screamer. It, You know, I put this bike a good second to the uh, KTM Super Duke car. So, you know, I'll have to get these two those two bikes between my legs to, to really get a feel for them and really kind of hammer on them. I'm, I'm going to take it a step further and, and maybe even make you mad, Rico. I think okay. that, that'll be hard to do, but go ahead. <laughs> a problem for the modus is that this bike exists. Let me say that. Oh yeah. This is $16,000. Right. And I've still got 160 horsepower. I'm still sitting upright. Hmm. That's that's an awful hard argument to come up with another fifteen thousand just for a, for the for, for the, the engine motor. yeah yeah <laughs> that's a tough sell man yeah I got you yeah and I got ABS you know I got a quick shifter it's like come on you know wheelie control corner is this, I think this one even has cornering ABS if I'm not mistaken I'd have to go through the list but that sound about right Brian 
Yeah, they do. They have the new IMUs and the watch system. I mean, all that electronic wizardry, and I mean, I know the Modus guys aren't going for that, but wow, I, I'd be hard pressed to to double my double my cash outlay just for that motor. And the funny thing, Rich, looking at the tech specs, it's interesting that they have the maximum speed, and it just says over 125 miles per hour. Yeah, over 125. <laughs> I didn't tell you the exact number. Did it say it go? We'll go 125. <laughs> and, and I know when you got off the bike. And and you and Micah were sent it up, and you told him, "Oh my God, I just found a quick shift." This is the funny thing, and I don't know if I told Brian this, but it wasn't until the last maybe third to twenty five percent of my ride that I even discovered that I had the quick shifter. And then I was like, I was like a kid with a new toy. I just couldn't stop playing with this. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Oh. Yeah, that's that's a fun that's a fun thing to have on the bike, especially when you're racing. <laughs> well, and especially after last week's episode where we played all that race car audio, and that's essentially how those gearboxes work: is you just grab a gear and it, you know, cuts the ignition, shifts the gear, and you're off to the races. Yeah. And you don't never yeah. lift the throttle. This yeah. is the same thing. I just pin the throttle and then just keep clicking it up through gears, and the sound, oh, a little pop, and it shifts and. There's no loss of momentum. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm in love. Did you use the downshift feature on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once I realized that it had it, I was like, oh, I wonder if it does it down, too. And it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Rev match. Beautiful. That's the best. Once once you start riding that R6 on the track, you'll appreciate that. I don't know if you do lift the throttle on downshifts now, but braking hard, lifting the, lifting the throttle to downshift, going into braking zone. It's a little cumbersome at first. Yeah. Yeah, I do it I do it on the street, but yeah, I can imagine when you're trying to come down, you know, three or four gears all at once and get into a corner, that's that's a lot to do. Yeah. To become a good writer, I think you almost have to go through it, you know, and learn it and um learn the behavior of the bike and learning just how the bike is gonna behave, you know, as you're downshifting, coming out come out of high revs, you know, as the front brakes compress. Uh, as you downshift to kind of dig into the next corner, you know, all those things are going to help you take a corner faster or slower, depending on whatever you're doing in a particular corner. You you know, you got to work it out in your mind and feel comfortable doing it in a split second. Yeah. So, you know, you'll get a lot of education <laughs> on the track, my friend. So I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah, I, I can't wait either. I'm going to get Brian Saw here in a minute. But one more thing on this bike and. I think I'm going to save this for when we get Micah on because him and I and John, even afterwards, we talked about it extensively. So that might be a good follow-up conversation. But when I first bought the KLR, my idea was I wanted to ride it everywhere without a trailer. It's like, I want to go down the road. I want to go off-road. And then I want to come back home. I don't want to have to trailer it and all this other business. And I don't want two bikes, that kind of thing. So now that I'm thinking about something more sporty and some track days. Do I look at something like this where I could just ride it to the track, ride it around the track and ride it home? No, brother. After you're done on the track, <laughs> you ain't going to want to ride your bike at all. You wants to get off of it and, and sit in the car seat. Trust me. I thought seat. I've done that. I've done that one time and, uh, I almost, you know, fall asleep on the way home. But it's just the exertion of being on the track all day. Uh, was enough to you know no that's not a good idea you definitely gonna have to trail your bike to the track okay no doubt about it track instructor what say you <laughs> dedicated track bike yeah you need a dedicated track bike and i mean you don't need one you can go out and play around but uh yeah if you're gonna take it serious you need to and you'll find out the r6 is even too much that bmw would be way too ridiculous much somebody just start out yeah, yeah you just you know, I, I'm, I'm going to start racing AFM next year, and I got some couple of other like, girlfriends that race AFM, and uh, we're going to do 250 Ninjas. You know, I'm 46 years old. I don't want to get hurt significantly. I got to go to work Monday morning, so I just want to go out and have fun, mix it up, and you'll learn a lot more on a smaller bike. All right. Well, yeah, I kind of wondered the same about the R6. I'm like, I know that's a fast bike. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a bit much to, to get going. 
Yeah, you really have to. Uh, I don't know because you, you like like you said, Brian. It, when you're going around the corners, full throttle, um, until you get used to it and get a couple years under your under your belt of riding a sport bike. If you're gonna be be new to the to the racetrack and learning the ins and outs of flipping your bike and everything, a smaller bike so you can go wide open without the rear end sliding out from behind you, you know, is gonna be a safer safer bet. Uh, but since you don't have that option, yeah, you're just gonna have to ride within your comfort zone, get familiar with the bike, and not try to overdo it. You know, just ride in your comfort zone. All right. Until you get some years under you. All right. Well, Brian, we're not going to keep you all night, but I do want to, if you got another moment here, just any other track wisdom or words of advice as I embark on, I'm a little bit younger than you, but not by much, but (laughs) as I embark on some track days. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the biggest thing is just uh, keep, keep your eyes up on the horizon. Don't focus on the apex, the corner, you know, scan, look, look, Far, far, far down the track. Uh, keep it. Keep your speed look realistic. You won't make you going too fast. Yeah. You know, don't target excite. Work on uh, going in hot to corners. Trail break a little bit. You know, try trail breaking even up to the apex. You know, not a hundred percent brake power, but you know, start slowing the bike down. Learn to learn to trail break through the corner. You know, so try to concentrate on even going the throttle around the brake. Got it. Those are the biggest things. Again, uh, Matt, right now, the big thing is body position. Everybody's about body position. Get your ass halfway off the seat and hang off. That, that's good enough. You know, the biggest thing is being relaxed on the motorcycle and keeping your eyes up. You know, don't focus. Don't focus on the guy in front of you. Look far down the track. You just want to. You know, that's that's about the best I can give you. Awesome. Yeah, I've I've taken a peek at some of the equipment, so it looks like. You know, kind of a starting set of leather is about 300 bucks, and uh, I just need boots. I already have gloves and the right helmet, so we're pretty close gear-wise. Yeah, that's all you need. Uh, you know, a Helite vest would be really nice. I'm thinking about running one next year when I race. You know, it, it just sucks to break ribs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that, that affects breathing, and it's not really something you can put on pause. Right, so picking up a $300 or $400 Helite vest would be good insurance that you know a hundred mile hour get off is another fun and again yeah most your crashes will be low speed yeah mistake in the corner yeah right i can i can see that yeah especially with the the braking i mean this that r6 and and everything i rode on saturday is is another world different from from my daily rider which is you know a harley softtail so that for, to me, that's the main thing is getting used to having that much braking capacity on one right. on one and, wheel. And one more thing, said with with the braking, I heard some of your past uh, you was talking about somebody pulled out in front of you. Uh, try to take to stay off the rear brake. Don't even touch it. I mean, it'd be nice to just break them off, but they like you to have them for stations. But don't mess with the brake lever. Don't mess with the rear brake at all. All front brake, hundred percent on the track. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at a MotoGP guy in slow motion, their rear wheels in the air. If you were to brake with the rear wheel lock uh, up in the air, they would lock up, and then you'd dirt track into the corner. And you know, those professionals can do it, but I can't. I'm sure yeah. you probably can't handle that on Fridays, you know. So just don't use the rear brake at all. Got it. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Brian. This has been awesome to hear from. You know, someone who has one of these big adventure bikes and and does a little bit of everything with it. Like it's kind of like what I did with the KLR. I rode that thing everywhere, and and that you take yours one step up by riding it on the track. That's super cool. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rich, Rico, John. Thanks for the interview, and maybe I can do it again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Oh yeah, for sure, my friend. All right. Take care. Thanks again. All right. That was cool stuff. I. I've had quite a few conversations with Brian, you know, through the internet, mainly just chatting on, on Facebook and whatnot. And I just thought that was neat, you know, because I guess I have to go back to a couple episodes with my comment on the ADV bikes. And I know that happens. A lot of people buy this kind of bike and they never make it off road. It just, you know, things happen, but it's cool to see people that just ring them out and do 
everything with it. That's that's awesome. Right. You know, I think it may come down just the seating position. Like we said, the economics of it, being able to ride it without having too much stress on your arms or your back or your knees for that matter. Um, so a lot of, a lot of guys are right buying these bikes for that case to be able to ride some long distances and just get out there and enjoy, you know, some of these awesome back roads that we have. Indeed. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have to have a follow-up episode, I think on maybe each one of the bikes or, you know, do some future test rides. I always have a hard time putting the show together when we test ride more than one or two bikes. So having four plus the additional two or three that Micah was, was riding, you know, that's, that's a bit much for for one show. So I'm surprised that you didn't do any recording uh, while you were there that day. So you get some of that, those, those thoughts right after riding it. Well, the problem is they were all back to back. So you come off the bike, it was at the top of the hour. So, and it, it kind of ran like a doctor's office. You know, the first one was five minutes late. So the next one started, you know, seven minutes late and now you're 10 minutes late and you kind of see how the day goes, right? By the time they got to the three o'clock one, it was pretty much you guys got back and then the three o'clock was about ready to go out. So yeah, so I had signed up with, to four back to back. I would come off a bike, I'd have a couple of minutes and then it was like, okay, back in line, get on the next bike and, and get out. So we did take some video. John's got some video of, of the bikes pulling away or coming back or both, um, things like that. We've got some exhaust sounds too that we can we can bring in so we can add that. Sounds good. But yeah, you're right. We we needed you here to crack the whip and say, "All right, come on, you're off the bike. Give me give me five minutes." Right. <laughs> we can't be left alone, Rico. You know that. I know. Yeah, it's just like little kids. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but it was fun, and it it was cool that that Micah was there too. So yeah. So now now I want to hear I want to hear his perspective of uh, the different bikes that he rode and what his thoughts were. You know, going from his uh motoguzzi to some of these adv bikes uh to see what the difference were what the appeal was for him you know on these bikes yeah and he rode the first one was uh an f700 something i know i'm gonna get it wrong but um but he also rode the r9t bmw which was cool and then the multistrada and maybe i think he also did the big gs i'd have to check you got the the Loud Pipes social network open. There's a picture in there. But I'll, I'll, I won't get to it in time. We'll be here all night looking for it. <laughs> we'll circle back on that. Yeah, and we're going to try to have him join us next week. So he might might actually join me in studio and I'll have you two clowns on the phone. I mean, I'll have you two guys on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> all right, fellas, we got a little U-turn to do. Let's do it. Appreciate the feedback, and we like to keep things straight. So, we had some feedback on our comment um, about the the Harley Street Bob. So, I I kind of got fooled by the email from Harley where it said, "Hey, the new 2017 Street Bob," and someone was nice enough to point out that it's been new since 2006. <laughs> yeah, did you know that, Rico? Well, just like you, the email kind of fooled me because, you know, this bike is, again, one of those bikes. You you see them, but you don't know what they are because they could be anything. Like you said, 2006, um, all the way up to recent. Uh, this bike's been out there. So, um, I don't know. I You know, I've gone back and looked at some of the uh, older versions of this bike, and I don't know. You know, I'm thinking the of the best year to have this bike so you know if there's a lot of street bob riders out there so i'm thinking the best year to buy these bikes or was around i don't know 2009 to 2012 when they put the um because i think they put the factory uh i think they went from 88 to the 96 88 cc to the 96 cc to the 103 cc motor uh we know what they have in there now and I, I can't recall the years they actually put those in there would you like to date john yeah john's got some thoughts there oh you got okay yeah let me know when those when those came out it originally came to 88 came out originally 
the 96 went in in 2007. And then the when the 103 came out in 2012, Harley put in the Street Bob in 2014. Okay. All That's right. pretty cool. And I, I still like it. I still like that, you know, kind of Bob style, strip it down mm-hmm. to the basics. <laughs> oh, see, there's that puke again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> But and before I forget, let's give a, a quick shout out. The feedback was from the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, so just someone say hey to them and and thanks for the feedback. You know, so let me stop making fun. So uh, <laughs> some of these street some of the street bob bikes are cool. I think once you start to personalize them, they look pretty sharp. But the one from the factory, you know, just plain Jane, is not doing it for me. It's just not my not my style. Um, so. I there are you. some, you. you know, that, that are, are customized, uh, not overdone, just enough. You know, they put their own little twist to them. And some of them are, you know, they do look pretty cool, but, you know, it's a hard sell for me. You know, some have little front fairings on them, and, you know, there's different ways you can do this bike, but it's just not calling me. All right. I'm not going to fault you for it. You know, it's... Oh, yeah, it's too. just my opinion. It's my opinion on this particular bike. I'm sure other people might love it. And, you know, you know, that's ain't nothing wrong with that. You're out riding, right? So no matter what bike you fall in love with, it's your bike. You know, some people might say that, you know, your bike is ugly or my bike, the, the road hey, match hey. is but ugly. So, you Come know, on now. Yeah, you know, it's the truth. You know, you know, it's just what, what appeals to you at any given time. So, you know, there's other bikes that, uh, you know, it's just your perspective is what I guess I'm trying to articulate. You don't want to see what happened to the last guy to call my bug ugly. <laughs> well, I've seen him. <laughs> <laughs> and he was bigger than me. I said, yes, it is ugly. So, thank you. <laughs> it, it is real ugly. It is. That is I, don't know ugly why, bike. I don't know why I ride this I mean, bike. Whose bike is this? I'm, my bike is down there. What am I doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, cool. So yeah, I just wanted to get that straight. Um, we like to keep our our facts and information straight. So, and I think I decided on the U turn. What do you guys think? Maybe we just make the U turn one episode back. We're just U turning on something from one episode prior. If it's beyond that, it's a new topic. What do you guys think? Or some sort some sort of cutoff. I guess it depends on what we're talking about. I mean, it's something that we're going to be doing a, a couple episodes on. Okay. Okay. Uh, then. But yeah, we can kind of sh- truncate that down to uh, whatever we're talking about at any given time. Okay. Just feeling it out. That's all. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't think I got have anything else. I think uh, the ADV ride was my big topic for tonight. Wanted to get that into the U-turn. I have nothing new in the garage. I was demo riding all weekend, so didn't really do anything with the custom. Didn't really do anything with the track effort. Other than I have assembled all of the old books that I have. I have a whole stack of motorcycle books, um, encyclopedia type stuff. So I'm going to kind of pull that stuff out, make a list and, and start using that for inspiration on the, on the custom route and figure out the style and, and what I want to do. The hardest part. Maybe she do like, maybe she do like a street pop. To customize a street Bob. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. We sure can. <laughs> no. Now, you know I'm going to isolate the sound of you, like, throwing up, and I'm going to use that over and over. Or oh, <laughs> Every time we get to a bike you don't like, I'm just going to play that. Awesome. I hope it came across good. It'll become the new. Shambilla. <laughs> All right. All right, John, anything else? We got, uh, so we have two events coming up. Uh, while we were doing the demo day this weekend over at Motorcycles of Charlotte, I learned that they're doing a Triumph Bobber event December 19th. Hogan, are you going to shed a tear? Because it's going to be at a brewery again. Oh, why do you got to do that to me? Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, that should be fun. I think you should take John this time. Bring John down and uh, help me pass out some swag. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I did this that past, this past weekend. Rico, I went down there, joined Rich, you know. And I saw him for about eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. He didn't nice. see me very long. He bought me lunch, though. Hey, I got lunch out of the deal. I was like, hi, John. There you go. I'm on this bike now. See ya. But it was cool. We, uh, you know, the, you, I was down there, Rich, and then uh, our Patreon, Micah, and our new one, Titus, was uh, was hanging out with us. And, and Titus, uh, you know, I spent quite a few minutes. 
couple hours with him hanging out while you guys were out riding. Him and I hung out, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was neat. Neat hanging out. Brooklyn Pizza afterwards, which is always a good time. So, what were they saying? Yeah, Motorcycles of Charlotte, Triumph Bobber event on the 19th of December. So, if you're in town, check that out. And also, just an, another thanks to them for putting on this demo day. It was, it was a fun event. I had a great time. I know Micah enjoyed it. Titus got to ride some bikes. He had a great time. And uh, and Charlie Hearn, who we've had on the show once before, I forget the episode number, but uh, Charlie's a good guy. So spend some time with him, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from him again in the future as well. Uh, other event we have will be Easy Rider sometime in January. Uh, I know it's the 21st, but that seems like forever in terms of planning and things that are coming up. And one last mention, don't forget the giveaway. So head over to Facebook. Uh, there's a link to that on our website or it's facebook.com slash rdubstudios and just share one of our posts on another site that way we can track who's actually sharing it and we'll put your name in the drawing for that cool uh, smartphone case john you got a number for me uh for charlie i am looking for that number in fact (laughs) i want to say 30 something all right i would like to thank the riders of loud pipes for their continued support first five riders marcus rickard edward jebby and zion Barbershop rider Chuck, Riders of Loud Pipes, Steve and Titus, and lastly, Insiders Micah and my brother Kenny joining us now on the Riders group. So that's pretty cool. Want to get out, give a shout out, and a good get well soon to Zion. Absolutely. Yeah, he's having some some painful issues and we hope he gets that rectified and, and back on the bike. So in the meantime, you're welcome to store it in my basement. I'll keep it warm and ridden for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 i know what he'll say on that one (laughs) uh loudpipes.net slash donate is the place to be if you want to ride with us and join in on all the fun so check that out um for all of your show swag head over to loudpipes.net slash store and give john and natalie something to do over the weekend keep them busy load them up with orders and have them packing boxes and working yeah, and to go back real quick, I know it's a little late, but it's 35. For, 35 Charlie. for Charlie Hearn. Thank you. Additional information for this episode, including links and images, can be found at our website, loudpipes.net slash 65. Here you'll find links to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media. Hogan? Yeah. Johnny? Later, all. All right. Kick stands up. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. This has been an RDub Studio production. Check us out at rdubstudios.com, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio.